You are listening to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast with Monica Louie, episode number 85. Welcome to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast, where we help online entrepreneurs grow their influence, amplify their impact, and scale their businesses all the way to seven figures. And now, here's your host, Monica Louie. Hey, hey, thank you so much for joining me for the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. I'm Monica Louie, and welcome to episode 85. I am so excited to bring you this fantastic interview. What if you could triple your monthly revenue and triple your email list with one single strategy? Well, my guest is on a mission to help more people do just that. But before we dive into the interview, if you are new to the podcast and you don't know me yet, then I want to welcome you. I'm Monica Louie, and I'm a Facebook and Instagram ad strategist, and I run a successful ads agency where my team and I manage ads for six, seven, and eight-figure online businesses. I'm also the creator of Flourish with Facebook Ads, which is my online training program that teaches my step-by-step system for creating campaigns that convert. My team and I have managed more than two and a half million dollars in ad spend and served more than 1,000 students and clients. We are in the trenches every single day, keeping a pulse on what's working now in the world of Facebook and Instagram ads. While I absolutely love teaching about Facebook and Instagram ads, the goal of this podcast is to discuss what it really takes to build a seven-figure online business. And today, we're talking about tripling your email list and tripling your revenue with the help of online summits. Now, before you go running away thinking that hosting a summit is too much work or too complicated to pull off, I encourage you to listen to this interview. My guest is here to show us how impactful hosting an online summit can be for your audience, your business, and your bottom line. My guest on the show today is the delightful Krista Miller. At Summit in a Box, Krista helps entrepreneurs 3X their monthly revenue through virtual summits without wondering where to start or what to do next. Her method is focused on strong connections, collaboration, and making a difference in the lives of everyone involved. In this episode, Krista shares some of the unexpected benefits of hosting an online summit, how to make the most of participating as a speaker in an online summit. So no, you don't need to host a summit to benefit from them. How to pick the perfect profitable summit topic, the unique strategy she uses to keep engagement high during the summit, I never heard of this before, and it is absolutely genius, and I know that you will think so too. Plus, the three-part framework to triple your monthly revenue with a virtual summit and a whole lot more. This was a super fun interview. Krista is absolutely lovely, and it was so great connecting with her. So let's get right into it. But before we dive in, I want to make sure that you know you can find all the links and resources that we mentioned in today's episode at monicalouie.com slash 85. That's M-O-N-I-C-A-L-O-U-I-E dot com slash the number 85. All right. Here's my interview with Krista Miller from summitinabox.co. Hey, Krista. Thank you so much for joining me. I am so excited for our chat today. Welcome to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. Thank you so much for having me on, Monica. This is going to be so much fun. I can't wait to chat with you about all this. Yes. So I would love to... Well. 
I want to get into your story and how you became an entrepreneur. I just am so curious about everybody's journey to become an entrepreneur, but I'd love to first start off with who you are, what you do, what do you, what is it that you do today? How do you help those people? Yeah. So I run a company called Summit in a Box and at Summit in a Box, my focus is to make hosting virtual summits, basically more accessible and successful for people. You know, we've all, all heard people say either summits are too much work or summits don't work. So my goal is for like, seriously, every person that hosts a summit to be able to say like, I tripled my revenue this month. I tripled my email list and I wasn't sitting there scrambling, wondering where do I start? What do I do next? I knew what I needed to do at each step of the process. So my goal is to make hosting profitable virtual summits easy and also fun. I love that. Okay. I cannot wait to dive into all that with you. I've definitely had some of those thoughts myself. So how did you actually get started in this? I mean, what were you doing before? Did you start off with the traditional career path? What did, what did your journey into entrepreneurship look like? Yeah. So I used to work at a corporate job doing software development. So I have a master's in software engineering, was using that to the fullest in a corporate environment, but hated it really bad. So the thing with being a female in the tech industry is you're the only female in the tech industry. So I was on a team with 17 men, most of which who were young, just like I was, you know, most of them 28 ish and under, and it was a really toxic environment for me to be in. You know, when you first get in there, you can kind of laugh at all the disgusting, inappropriate stuff that happens. But after so much time, your like fake smile starts to shatter a little bit. And that's what I was experiencing. So starting a business was like my last ditch effort to see how I could get out of that. So, you know, I had been on Pinterest and seeing these people like doing running design businesses. And I was like, Hey, I sit and make websites every day. I can do that. So I started a WordPress development business actually, because I was focused on web development at work and it actually worked, which I didn't expect. So within six months, I was actually able to take that business full time. And I was able to quit my job, which was just a dream come true. And I honestly, I hadn't, I never had dreams to go bigger than that. At that time, I was like, as long as I don't have to work here, I am a happy camper. But I'm sure you know how that is. When something's working well, you're like, okay, now what? <laughs> like, how am I going to, what's the next step for me? So, you know, eventually I got to the point where I was feeling that hardcore. I was probably making like three, $4,000 a month. So nothing crazy, but enough to, to support my husband and I without any children or anything like that. And for me, the what's next that kept coming up was a virtual summit. And I had put it off for so long because at the time, summits were just so gross. It was a lot of these big, huge bro marketers hosting these like just marketing pitch heavy summits that felt just nasty. And also you didn't really see people without huge businesses doing it. So it was both, I don't want to be gross and I am nowhere near a big enough deal to make this happen. But eventually one day in the car, I was driving, I was like, wait, like just because these people are doing it that way doesn't mean I have to do it that way. I can do it in a way that feels good to me and I can do it for my audience. So my audience uh, in that business was brand and web designers. So I was like, I can host a summit just for designers. And if I do that, it doesn't matter if I'm this huge business owner. It hasn't been done before. It's going to be cool. I hope, you know? So my goal with that honestly was mostly visibility related. I wanted to kind of get in 
the bigger circles of entrepreneurs out there, meet new people, book up my client schedule, you know, farther in advance than it was. And if I made honestly two to $3,000, that was my goal. And I was terrified to even say that I wanted to make that much. I was like, this is going to be a success. So the summit happened in early 2018. And instead of making $2,000, I brought in $16,000 with that first summit. And for someone who was making $3,000 a month at the time, I was like, what just happened? <laughs> like, what even is this sitting in my bank account? It didn't even seem real. And so my plan at the time was to just keep doing that because along with that money, my email list tripled. I made all of these awesome new friends and my services were booked up for six months. I didn't have to worry about where my clients were coming from. So I was just going to keep like rinse and repeat and keep doing that. But I kept getting emails and messages and boxer messages from all these people saying, hey, that was the best someone I've ever been to. Can you teach me how to do that? And my initial thought was absolutely not. That took me so long to figure out. I can't just teach you that, you know, especially on top of my now full client schedule. But clearly we're sitting here today, which means that they wore me down. So (laughs) uh, after about six months, I was like, fine, I will, I will make something. And I had made digital products before that were a total flop. So I knew I didn't want to put in months of time into creating this product and then have no one buy it. So what I did was I took my Asana project that I had mapped out and used for my summit, prettied it up, organized it a little better and threw that up on on a website for 200 bucks. And I was like, okay, if you guys want it, here it is. Leave me alone, kind of. And they bought it. And I was like, what's happening? And it got to where like, it was selling well enough to grab my attention and be like, okay, there's a gap here people aren't sharing this system. They might share the strategy, but they're not sharing the system. So I kind of went from there. That one Asana template evolved into a membership. Now it's this big signature product I offer. And it's been quite the journey, just seeing what works and kind of digging in. I love it. I love it. And all along the way, you kind of just paid attention to what was working. So, okay. I want to go back Initially, you had this idea for a summit. So where did you get this idea for a summit for yourself? What made you just like kind of have this thought in the back of your mind as to maybe I should do my own summit one day? Do you know what that was? I think the thing that really caught my attention was that I was invited to be a speaker on a summit for the very first time ever. And I had never been asked to do anything like that before. And I was able to kind of see the back end of how she did things. And I was like, okay you know, this is pretty cool. And I think that's what caught my attention and really made me start to think, maybe I, maybe I should do this. You know, it's scary, but maybe I should dive in a little bit. Cool. Now I've been a speaker on many, many summits at this point, and it's always an honor to be asked and to be included, but on my, like my point of view, and you kind of touched on this at the beginning is that it seems like there's a lot of work that goes into it. A lot of planning ahead of time. And it sounds like you had this very, perhaps extremely detailed Asana project that kind of kept you focused and organized. And so why is it, since you already brought that up at the beginning, why is it that we should maybe shift our perspectives about summits? Are they really not as much work as it appears to be? How do you simplify it? Mm -hmm. What are your, what are your thoughts around all of that? Yeah. So I am never going to say that hosting a summit is an easy thing to do. It takes serious work. And like for me, for that first summit, figuring out all the strategies from scratch, like having no resources, it probably took me over 400 hours to put on that first summit between four and 500 hours. So it was no small feat to do. But then after that, 
I had the system and now I can host a summit in about 60 hours of my time and bring in, you know, 60, $70,000, which is a decent hourly rate as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, that upfront work, when you do it once, you just rinse and repeat after that. And it gets more and more worth it every time because it gets easier every time. Like all you have to do over again is find and onboard those speakers and show up during the event to engage with people. Everything else is you have a system for it that you can outsource or it's already done and you don't have to do it again. So that really, really helps a lot. Um, And I think these days, something else that helps is no one doing their first summit has to figure it all out themselves. Like I had to, like, there were no podcasts on virtual summits. There were no freebies that I was able to find when I was doing this first one. And maybe they were out there and I missed them. Honestly, there were probably some out there, but now there are several podcasts, mine included on how to host a summit. There are programs that break down the strategy or mine that has all of the templates and scripts and everything you need. And because those resources exist, You don't have to sit and rack your brain about like, is this even going to work? How do I do this thing? It's all kind of laid out, which can make it so much more worth it. And then, you know, when you do a summit the right way, the payoff just even makes the work of that first one worth it almost instantly. You know, the connections you're making with your speakers. And these aren't connections that, you know, you DM'd back and forth a couple of times on Instagram. Like you guys were working together to get hundreds or thousands of people this specific outcome. That takes a, you know, a certain kind of collaboration. And as long as you're connecting with your speakers, that continues to pay off. You are you know, growing your list more than you could by doing any other single thing. Because let's say you invite 20 speakers, most of them are going to promote too. And you can grow your audience so much faster than you would by you know, running ads or doing a webinar or challenge of your own. You are giving your attendees this, you know, free upfront, at least experience and getting them an actual result. Even if it's just step one of 10, you're giving them something that makes them then want more and trust you and want more from you, which means your services, courses, membership on the back end can sell like hotcakes afterwards. And like, it all just compounds and continues there. were just a couple of weeks ago, I got a message from somebody about a summit I hosted nine months ago saying like, I'm still going back and watching these presentations. This literally changed my life. Are you doing it again next year? You know, like stuff just keeps paying off. And I think because of that, that work you put up front in the beginning, even in that first one is worth it like right away, but then it continues to pay off moving forward. I love that so much. And just when you were talking about the connections, it also I mean, makes you a leader in your industry. Mm-hmm. I know that because, you know, because there is kind of, you know, a barrier to entry because it's a, it seems, you know, like a big project to coordinate it all the first time. And then you can repeat the system that, you know, not everybody's going to host their own virtual summit. So just like I've said, I've been a part of many virtual summits at this point and, you know, had the, had the pleasure of being a speaker and being asked to be a speaker and participate in summits. I have yet to host my own. So not everybody's doing it, but I fully imagine as a person who's taking, you know, taking the lead that you're going to be well-respected, become well-respected in your industry. So one of the things that I've been thinking about too, is people who are starting their businesses and kind of want to fast track the road to success, getting that authority play and that credibility play is really a key 
to becoming more visible, becoming more well-known and just thinking about to my own story and kind of what kind of pushed me to have great success in my Facebook ads business early on is because people in my network who were looking for my services knew who I was. It wasn't that I was this big name, but the people who, you know, who became my first clients, they knew who I was. And so if you are wanting to catapult yourself to the front of the line to say, Hey, you know, I am, I'm an influencer. I'm an important person, somebody to pay attention to in this space. Then it seems like hosting a virtual summit, a live event like that and virtual is perfect for these days (laughs) that that can really push you to the front of the line. Yeah. And I have like the perfect example of this, my friend, Adesola Davis, she launched her business through a summit. And I actually didn't know this when she was launching. She had joined my program. So I kind of knew who she was. She invited me to speak at her summit. It was a heck yes, just because of the kind of person she is. And she put on this incredible event. Like her summit was so good. So engaged. Like I got sucked in as a speaker. Like I'll be honest, usually as a speaker, I submit my presentation. If I have to show up the day it goes live to like be in the chat, cool. But I'm not going to like usually sit and watch other people's videos or anything like that. But the Solis summit, if she was live in her Facebook group, I wanted to be there. It was such a cool event. And I hired her afterwards. Like since then I have paid her over $10,000 for different packages she offers come to find out a couple weeks ago, she had launched totally from scratch. See, she had never made a cent in her business. She had an email list of zero and this summit launched her business. And she said like every client she's had since then and her now five figure a month business has come from that summit in one way or another. And that just blew my mind how powerful this can be, not only for people who have an established business and want to scale, but people who want to hit the ground running, or, you know, maybe you have a little bit of footing, but really want to accelerate that growth. It is so powerful. Wow. I love that so much. So you have talked about a lot about, you know, the payoff and you've mentioned, you know, you tripled your business with your first summit and now you can host a summit, put in 60 hours and earn $60,000, $70,000 each time. So what are the secrets to, or what is the strategy? I don't know. What are your tips regarding, you know, going from summit, which is this, you know, free offer, right? So, so take us through the summit. What does that look like? So we go from free offer. How do we get to the paid offer to the pitch? What does that look like? So it doesn't look like we're, you know, scammy and gross. Like you, Mm -hmm. you know, you mentioned like other summits can come across. How do we do that in an authentic way where we, you know, don't come across spammy? How do we, how do we make that bridge? I love this question so much because yeah, summits can be so gross when you don't pay attention to this. And I think a lot of hosts go into a summit and they just want to like, they just want to get it done. They just want to do it fast. They want to get the presentations, put it on a website, schedule some emails and kind of like wipe their hands clean. But when you show up for the people who sign up for your summit that's where you can do it in a way that builds those long lasting connections and does it in a way that feels good for everybody. So, so like you said, it starts with a free summit. There are paid conferences too, but the way I teach free summits is is quite a bit different. It kind of focuses on getting more leads on the front end, building those connections and converting them on the back end, which is just great for list growth, but you get those people signed up for the free event and your goal is to just wow them from there with incredible presentations. You know, if they send you an email, even if it's just saying thank you, they get an answer. Or even if it's a canned response. If you have a community for your time, which I recommend, if they, you know, comment on something, you or a team member are in there responding and just making them feel like a 
part of this event. And there are some other things I like to do for engagement. Like I make a summit bingo card and, you know, they get points for things like going to a presentation, supporting another member, going to a networking session, things like that. So it's like basically bribing them to engage with the summit. But the more you can engage them, the more involved they're going to be because they feel like they're a part of something and they want to be showing up to these presentations. And then the more likely it is they're going to convert to the next couple of levels. So the next level is your all access pass. And I do present this immediately after someone registers, they go straight to a sales page with like a special offer of my all access pass for like 15 minutes or so. A lot of times they're just going to grab that right away. I've had all access passes convert around 19% before from that free offer. So it's, you know, a decent conversion rate as far as most digital products go. You make that offer right away, but not everyone's going to buy it right away. So that's where engaging them, making them want to be even more of a part of your event pays off because that's going to continue to get you those sales of the all access pass as the summit goes on. Then that also goes into whatever you're going to offer on the back end. So I very highly recommend that everyone launch your thing on the final day of your summit. So I like to launch through a webinar personally, and I kind of position that webinar on the final day as like the grand finale of the summit. Here is the thing you need to attend to get the most out of this. And yes, I give them a ton of value in that webinar, but at the end, they're going to hear about my program that relates to that summit. And when they have been learning from you all week, when they have been taking steps kind of towards whatever it is you offer teaches them and now want to take it a step further, that is such a natural transition. And you'll also find that people who upgraded to your all-access pass are going to convert higher than the people who, who didn't, who are just kind of there for, for the freebie, which I, you know probably doesn't surprise anybody. But loving on those people a little extra is great too. So like for my all-access pass people, I like to include things like live networking sessions, live co-working sessions, things where we can interact and get to know each other more because it's fun for them and helps them take things further but it's also great when you're ready to make that sale, you know, on the final day of your summit and, you know, however long you choose to launch afterwards. So that's kind of how all of those pieces are kind of like a step ladder and how just being a human and interacting with your people and truly trying to help them through this event can lead into more sales of both of those offers, the LXS pass and your signature product service membership, whatever it is. I love that. Okay. So the bingo card, I feel like (laughs) that is such a great idea. I mean, who doesn't want to participate in filling out a bingo card, right? And so the way that you kind of use that is that you, you, you get a mark off your square if you have showed up what to specific sessions or how does that, how does that work? I love that idea. Yeah. I do all kinds of things with that. So I always make my center spot, like you purchase the all access pass because you know, why not? But yeah, I always have like in each column is go to a presentation. It might be post your biggest takeaway in the Facebook group, share about the summit on Instagram and tag me. Like think of things you want them to do, whether it's follow you on a certain social media platform, whatever it is, and put that as a square. So you're growing other parts of your business too. And then think of other ways. How do I want them to interact with this event and put that in there? So go to a networking session or whatever it is. And they think it's so fun. And I also tie in prizes to that. So each day of the summit, I have them submit their bingo cards if they had bingo and I'll draw people for prizes as even more bribery. So not as it just, not as it just fun because you have breaking rights for winning bingo, but you're getting a reward for participating and doing this thing, which is also teaching people when I engage with this person, I get a reward for engaging with that person and it makes them want to do it again. So it all, it like makes it more fun for everybody and beneficial for everybody too. That is so fun. Okay. So how do you, 
logistically, how are you tracking that to make sure, you know, is it on the honor system? I got bingo or how, how do they submit that they got bingo? Yeah. So I try to keep everything as simple as possible. So we, I always do a Facebook group for my summit. So we just pre-schedule threads each day who has bingo today and they post it. For the most part, I don't check. For my first summit, I was a little more strict where I went and checked every single thing. Now, the only thing I really check is if someone has that center I purchased square and I don't like recognize their name from having like been showing up a lot. Usually with the summit, you're going to have that core group of people who is just showing up. They're shouting out how, you know, how awesome your all access passes and things like that. And you'll just kind of get to recognize their names. But if I'm not sure, I will look that up. But for mo- most other things, I'm not going to sit and check every square. Okay. And then regarding all your speakers, how many, is there like a, a good number to shoot for, for the number of speakers to have join you on the summit? Do you have any recommendations there? Yeah. I like to sit between 20 and 30. I would say the minimum to go, if you're looking for the kinds of results I talk about is like 15. If you get much more than 30, it gets to the point where it's just more for you to manage without a whole lot more return. And it's overwhelming for your attendees as well. My most recent summit, I think I had 33. And, you know, they're looking back at all the stats. There's definitely like, you know, that many people I could have done without. So I would say 20 to 30 is just a good good place to sit. You can cover different, different topics. Honestly, when you are already managing 15 people, adding a few more isn't really that much. And you already have all your systems down. And it just lets you focus on finding the speaker's who are going to give the most value and get the most value. And I guess I can go into that a little bit too. The speakers who are going to be the best fit for your event, which means you benefit and they benefit, are people who have the exact same audience as your summit. And to give an example of what I mean by that is one of the summits I host is for brand and web designers. If I have a speaker who targets like creative entrepreneurs That's great, right? Designers consider themselves creative entrepreneurs, but I know that that speaker who targets that wider audience isn't going to get as good of a return. They're not going to get as many leads from being in my summit. And I know they're not going to bring as many leads because their promotion isn't as effective because only a subset of their audience is the audience I want to get in front of. So instead, I'm pitching speakers who specifically target the exact same audience as me, which means designers. So when they post like you know, 90 to hundred percent of whoever sees that post is relevant. So I am getting more people into my summit. And then also once that speaker is there and talking, they can talk to my audience more effectively and they're getting more out of it too. They're getting more opt-ins. They're getting more sales from their funnel afterwards. And it just kind of, it just benefits everybody involved when you can do it that way. Yeah. So I wanted to ask about that because I know when I've, when I've been a speaker on a summit, I usually can offer like my freebie, my opt-in. And then do you recommend, or do you have any thoughts on around maybe becoming an affiliate for each speaker's paid product? Is that like kind of complicating things? Is that a good idea? What are your thoughts around that? That's a great question. So usually, well, I guess I shouldn't say usually I have never paid a speaker upfront to speak at a summit. So i I pay them an affiliate commission for for any promotion they do. And because of the way I have it set up, I have personally never felt comfortable saying, and I'm going to get a cut of any of the sales you make from participating. You know, I feel like if I'm not going to pay them up front, I want them to to get all of the reward they'll get from participating. Meaning I don't necessarily want to be taking a cut of any of their sales that they make. That's a personal preference. 
I've seen one or two that I've participated in summits for do it that way, where you have to give them an affiliate link to be a part of it. That's just personally not what I do. Okay. So that makes sense. So they're getting, if by joining, they're promoting the summit to their list, their audience saying that they're a speaker. Usually that's something that's been asked of me. And that's something that I'm certainly happy to do because for me as a speaker, you know, it's kind of an authority play too, that I have been asked to join the summit. So I'm certainly happy to share it with my, with my audience. And so what are your thoughts around like requiring so many touch points, so many announcements, so many emails, one-off emails? What are your Mm -hmm. thoughts around there? Do you have any guidelines around that? So I feel like my thoughts are going to be way different than all of the other summit people out there, but I feel like people work so hard for their audiences, to build trust with their audience and to build that audience right away. That when I see a pitch where someone is writing like three solo emails and, you know, this many posts on social media, it just, it doesn't feel good to me. With that being said, you can't guarantee any of your speakers results if no one shares. So to kind of balance those two things, what I personally do is require one one social media post from each speaker. I don't say it has to be like a solo email. It's basically mention this in an email and kind of go from there. What I have found is when you are really specific with your speakers, like kind of like I talked about where they have the right audience, if they share once and they start seeing all those affiliate sales roll in, they're like, oh, okay, I'll send another email on that. You know, my people liked that. This is a, this is a good thing for me to promote and they'll go ahead and share more. So personally, I keep my sharing requirements really low because I don't, I don't, I don't want to do like a list grabber type summit. I don't want anyone to feel like I'm taking advantage of them, but I do, I mean, I do need to get everybody results as the host. It's, It's my job. So I keep those requirements as easy as possible. Yeah. I like that too. I mean, as a speaker, you know, from the speaker point of view, because there'll be times when I'm asked to participate in a summit and I'm happy to do so, you know, I love participating and, and getting my name out there and then also sharing, you know, that I'm part of the summit, but sometimes when there are too many requirements and I've already got my launch calendar planned out or my promotional calendar on my end, it can be hard for me to sit, you know, I can commit so much of my time to participate in the summit, but I'm not also able to add in that much promotion, you know, if, if there is too much of a requirement on that side of things. So I, yeah. I like the idea and I can see how it would be beneficial to, you know, to ask, to, to share with their audience. And then, you know, if they have the bandwidth, they would, you know, most speakers would probably want to share multiple times if they can and work that in. Mm-hmm. I would, I would guess, I know I, I like to try to do that if I can. Yeah, for sure. When we're part of something that's awesome and that we believe in, right? we want to share, right? We exactly. want to get it in front of the people we know it can help. So just got to go about it the right way and kind of, I like to just rally my speakers in a different way than piling on requirements. Yeah, I like that. So going back to the affiliate commission then, so from the speaker, the speaker is signing up to be an affiliate of the summit. And so Mm -hmm. is that just for the access pass? Is that for anything else? What does that kind of relationship look like? I honestly think that could go either way. In most cases, I guess I would usually encourage it to be an affiliate link of anything so that, you know, if they 
funnel someone into the summit who buys the LXS pass and then goes to join your product within, you know, 30, 60 days or whatever, which means it's clearly coming from that person that they get kicked back, but it doesn't have to happen that way. I hosted a summit in September and had a co-host that I was splitting my course sales with. So for me, I, I can't split my sales with both, both the co-host and speakers, you know, then I'm getting nothing. So we didn't extend any extra commission other than just the all access pass. So I honestly think it can go either way. You're never going to hear a speaker complain though, by giving them commission for more than just the all access pass. So it's kind of like the experience you want to create for them, as well as kind of what your, what goals you're looking for, looking to reach for yourself. So as a speaker of summits, what can we do to really maximize that experience and, you know, get the most out of it, I guess, for our, for our time and energy and participating as far as growing our email list, but then also making those affiliate commissions and getting the visibility benefits of it as well. Oh, I love that question. So first I would say, get really picky on what you say yes to. So I am a total yes person. If someone asks me to do something, my immediate response is yes. Like before I even think of it, I just want to say yes. Just want to make you happy. But I mean, as much as I love summits, not every summit is going to be beneficial for every speaker. So I would first encourage you to get really picky about what you say yes to. Is this, does a summit have a mission that directly relates to the mission of your business? Like, will the attendees of that summit resonate with what you're doing as well? Is the audience a perfect fit? You know, if it's, you know, way wider than your own audience, probably not a good fit. You know, look at is this something that I know the people inside the summit will also resonate with what I do from there? Like that just automatically sets you up to see more success because then when you promote to your audience, you're going to see better results because if the, if the summit audience is going to resonate with you, it probably is going to work the other way around as well. So your audience will be excited that you presented them with this free thing, and then you'll get more commissions on the back end. The next thing I would say is to spend a little time thinking about what you're going to pitch at the end. Uh, As as a host myself, I let my speakers pitch whatever they want. If they want to pitch a freebie, they can. If they want to pitch something paid, have at it. But usually you're going to get the best return long-term by pitching a freebie that's directly related to your presentation, just like anything else. But what I like to think about is what am I trying to get them through this presentation? What step am I trying to get them to take? And what can I give them that will make that easier for them? Or that will just kind of supplement what I'm teaching them in that presentation, because that's going to increase the number of leads you get dramatically. When they just watch this presentation, they really want this transformation that they're supposed to get. And then you have something to help them do that. So do that and then have some stuff set up on the back end. So when someone opts in for that freebie, there's a tripwire. So you can instantly, you know, start making money to pay for, you know, the time you spent in that presentation or whatever. And then of course, eventually leads into your funnel. And then last, I would say, like, take every opportunity you can to engage with the other speakers and that audience. And I am not always good at this either. Like I said, I think I said this before, a lot of times I will submit a presentation and then just kind of do the bare minimum after that. But the times where I have jumped in and showed up and, you know, if the, if the host gives you the opportunity to go live in the Facebook group or whatever, and I've done those things, it pays off so much because that live connection, whether you're responding to someone's comment 
or doing some kind of live video, participating at a panel, showing up on a networking session. It's just making a stronger connection and making you stand out from all of those other speakers. So if there's, let's say, 30 speakers, but three of you are really showing up, you're the ones that are going to be at the top of these people's mind. So you know, to really make your time of making that presentation worth it. If you can also interact later, that's just going to boost the amount of return you get. And I know we can't always dedicate that time, but when we can, it can definitely help. That makes a lot of sense because when, when I, you know, speak at a live event, I'm always participating, going Mm -hmm. to other sessions of interest, you know, meeting as many people as I can. And so, I mean, the summit format is just taking that live event kind of atmosphere and making it a virtual place. And so as a speaker, if you, if you can work it into your schedule then make sure that you're participating as much as you can, and then that'll help you, as you said, I mean, it makes perfect sense. Get you to the top of mind when people are ready to go further with you. Yeah. And like, I think a really powerful part of the in-person events that you're talking about is like after your talk, you're not just yes. like running away and disappearing. Right. You're standing there and talking to people. So when you can build that into a virtual event as well, it's, it is, it just kind of brings it to the next level. I love that. Okay. So what are some common mistakes? So we're, we're, you know, we're signed up, we're ready to go. We're going to like take on our first summit in 2021. What are some common mistakes that summit hosts do that either, you know, kind of limit engagement or limit, weaken their funnel, limit their conversions. I mean, what are, what are some common mistakes that you see people making? Yeah. So the first thing I'll say is time. I am someone who has an idea and I want to do it yesterday. Like it needs to happen now. Oh yeah. But a lot of times with that first summit, you gotta give yourself the time to plan out everything that needs to happen. So I usually recommend first time summit hosts. Honestly, I still take this much time to give yourselves at least 90 days because that lets you think about the details of the funnel. It lets you give your speakers a good experience by not having to rush them every second of the process. It lets you put the thought into promotion that it deserves and you know the exact experience your attendees are gonna have. So give yourself time. I think rushing it is the biggest mistake I, I see. I do have people join my program, host a summit five weeks later. Does it still work? Yep. Are they super stressed out afterwards? Also, yeah. <laughs> so like <laughs> give yourself that time. Another big mistake I see, okay, I'll I'll lump two of them together. And these are mistakes that really kill conversion rates. So I told you that I've had summits that convert at least to uh, to the all-access pass as high as 19%. But industry standard is actually 3 to 5% for summits. And there's a few things that go into that. The biggest ones are the audience of the summit and the topic. So we see so many summits out there that are kind of to help everybody do a really general thing. So it's gonna help online business owners grow their business or Mm -hmm. help moms be happier, you know, like Mm -hmm. really general audiences doing something really general. That does not work well. And that is what really kills conversion rates. And especially for people who don't already have that huge audience, it just doesn't work. Bigger influencers can get away with it because they have the audience, but it still kills the results. I have, I know of someone who pretty recently hosted a summit to help online business owners grow their business. They were a huge influencer. And I know I've had summits that have had more monetary return than this one did. So think of that audience and topic. And that can be hard because a lot of us do target pretty broad audiences. That summit in the box, I'm basically targeting all online entrepreneurs. But when I hosted my summit, in September, I did not host a summit for all online entrepreneurs. I looked at 
what subsets are in my audience. And the ones that stuck out to me were things like, okay, I've got some course creators. I have membership site owners. I have service-based business owners, which I can you know, break down into even smaller categories. And I picked out one of those and I hosted a summit for that subset of my audience. And now I can go forward and host summits for other subsets of my audience too. So get specific with your audience so that when they see that there's a summit just for them, it catches their attention. And then the same thing goes with your topic. Instead of doing a general thing like grow your business, improve your life, you're giving them something really specific. So I could have hosted a summit to help entrepreneurs grow their business with a virtual summit. But instead, I hosted one to help course creators reach their biggest course launch yet with the virtual summit so much more specific and grabs their attention so much more. And I think getting that wrong and just trying to cast a wide net with your summit is probably the, like the single biggest mistake I see with virtual events. Wow. Okay. That's great advice. So regarding the time, I want to, I want to comment on that too. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I've said that I've been asked to do a lot of summits And I always appreciate when they give me enough time to, you know, work that into my own production calendar, my own content calendar, you know, preparing my, my presentation, you know, and then also adding it into my promotional calendar too, that I'm going to be participating in this Mm -hmm. summit. And I know I've been in a couple repeat summits and, you know, I'm the ones that seem to do it again and again are the ones that start off the most organized in, you know, planning ahead and giving themselves enough time. So they're not rushing and they're not needing to rush their speakers. That's just been my perspective. And then also, you know, I'm willing to, I'm you know, happy to join in when they ask me again for the following year to join in, in, in their next summit. So I can definitely see that. I think it benefits everybody. So don't try to rush this. If you're excited about it then put it in your plan, at least 90 days, she said. So plan ahead because there, as you start to kind of work through what you need to coordinate, you'll be so happy that you've given yourself that much time. Yes. You will never regret giving yourself a little extra time. And, and also thank you for the permission as summit speakers to, you know, to say no, if it's not going to be a great fit. I think that's great (laughs) advice that we can all, we all need to hear from time to time. So I really appreciate that as well. (laughs) Of course. Anytime. (laughs) Okay. So if I were to, I'd love to kind of bounce this off off of you getting specific about the summit topic. So if I were to do a a summit, should I just do, since my thing is Facebook ads, should I just do one about improving your results with Facebook ads? You said having your biggest launch ever, how, how specific should I get? And then I'm just curious about like how that would apply to me. And I'm hoping that not only will I get a little bit of coaching here, but that it'll also, you know, kind of help the audience think through how to kind of plan their topic for their summit as well. Yeah. So tell me exactly like, what is like the tagline of like your program? So my program is Flourish with Facebook ads, but I also have my agency. Mm -hmm. And so Flourish with Facebook ads is my, my step-by-step system for creating campaigns that convert. And it's for online coaches, experts, and bloggers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with that, like if your goal was to sell that, I would personally do a summit about running Facebook ads. And like, it wouldn't all necessarily be like directly related to like course sales or anything like that, but there are so many different aspects that go into running successful ads that you could have 30 speakers come and give, you know, 20 minute presentations and it doesn't touch 
what you teach in your program. You know, mm-hmm. like it gives people the, okay, I need to do this, but they're, they're still going to be left with some of the, okay, wait, how do I do that again? And how do I make that easy? And what order do I need to do this all? And like, how does this all fit together? Like there's always going to be a demand for what you offer. And I guess to show that, you know, just from personal experience, what that has looked like for me. So my most recent summit, like I said, was teaching course creators to launch a summit to sell their course. And I have a program specifically about how to launch a virtual summit. But like the the summit is awesome as it was with over 30 speakers. It couldn't touch my course and everything that I do. And people loved it. The content got them excited. But then they were like, okay, now I want it to be easy. (laughs) You know, this sounds awesome. How do I make it easy? And that's where we come in with our services, with our programs. And we're like, okay, here is the rest of what you need. You can go figure this out like people do or I can make it really easy for you. So that's what I would recommend. I mean, you could also do one on kind of paid ads in general, but if you do one just on Facebook ads, you know, every single person at that summit is interested in running Facebook ads. And that is pretty powerful to have thousands of people interested in exactly what you offer and what you teach. So then for the speakers, then would they all be people like me who are running Facebook ads, teaching Facebook ads, or would they, would there be like different angles? How would that work? That's actually a really good point is that, you know, with yours, if it was specific to Facebook ads, the most natural thing to do would be to have all kinds of other Facebook ad experts, which can kind of be like, "Mm, I don't know if I want that many all over the place. So like something cool you could do to, to kind of narrow that down, not narrow it down, but get less of that. I can't think of the word I'm looking for here. You could have people who run successful ads come in and talk about their experience. You could go ahead and broaden it a little bit to be different kinds of paid ads. So you can bring in people who talk about, you know, promoted pins, running ads on Google. I know there's a name for those that I don't know. What is it? Yeah. Google ads, (laughs) AdWords. (laughs) (laughs) You know, bringing in people on different kinds of things. So it wasn't just a whole bunch of Facebook ad experts, but I mean, you can also would it be people who are successfully running ads in their business and kind of sharing their strategy of how they're using ads? Would that be helpful or would that be yeah, too Yeah, yeah. That's general? kind of what I was thinking okay. before. My biggest concern with, with that would be, you know, their audience then isn't all going to be people interested in Facebook ads. So that's where right. it okay. can be beneficial to invite all of the competition, quote, quote unquote competition right. to your summit because then they're bringing all their people too. And sure, some of your people might go check them out, but their people are also coming to check you out too. So it's kind of like a give and take thing, but I think it would be awesome. I know someone actually who did, uh, she's a Pinterest expert and she did a summit on Pinterest and she invited all of the Pinterest experts out there and it went pretty darn well for her. (laughs) So as scary as it can sound to to invite all the competition to to your thing, it can be really, really powerful. And I also think it kind of, you know, you having that abundance mindset of like, Mm -hmm. you know, we're not competing, we're collaborating, put, you know, creating this amazing event for our people and bringing all the people together. And still as the summit host, I mean, again, going back to what we were first talking about, you're the leader, you know, you're the one that's becoming most visible because you are the one hosting the event. And Mm -hmm. so, and you, and as the person who's able to bring all these people together, people like to look at who is the person at the middle of this, who's bringing all of these experts together. So yeah, that's, that's really helped me consider about how I may be able to work in a summit 
as a promotional strategy for me and also just growing my audience. And you said triple, triple your email list. Mm -hmm. I love that. So, okay. So let's say we've, we've done our summit. It's gone amazingly well. Do you recommend then repurposing it to be an evergreen offer or do you recommend focusing on just doing the live summit again? What are your thoughts around that? Yeah. So I see people do put their summits on evergreen and they basically kind of try to recreate the live, the way the live summit works on evergreen. So someone signs up, they have access to the day one presentations for 24 hours and so on. They get launched to at the end, just like anyone else. I think that's cool. If you don't have like a funnel in place, that's already converting really well. I feel like if you already have a solid funnel doing that might not be super worth your time just because of how powerful it is when you have those 20, 30 speakers, there live promoting your thing, you know? So rather than being responsible for sending all the traffic yourself, you rinse and repeat, do it again and just get such a big return. And instead, you know, in those in-between periods, whatever you've got going on evergreen already, you just kind of leave that in place. And I'm, I, I'm saying this because I think most of your audience probably already has something in place that's working well. So, you know, that's why I would say I lean more towards just doing it live once a year, twice a year and getting the biggest return there rather than trying to promote an evergreen version. That's not quite as exciting, engaging or effective. What are your thoughts about offering like the all access pass as like a paid product, Mm -hmm. maybe in your funnel, perhaps as a tripwire or something like that? Yes, that's exactly what I do. And it is pretty great. Um, so I have like one specific freebie that's just super related to my summit that I have hooked up as a tripwire. I think I do like for 20 minutes, they can get it for $47. And after that, I don't like take it away, but it's $97 after that. Uh, and that works. I don't, I don't promote any of that a whole lot. That's actually for my other business that I'm not focused on as much anymore, but it brings in sales every month without me doing anything. So it is definitely a good idea to have that as built in as a, you know, lower tier part of your funnel tripwire, you know, whatever that looks like. Keep in mind though, you want to include that in your speaker agreement if you're going to do something like that. So make, make sure it's okay uh, with your speakers that you're going to continue using their pr- presentations on an ongoing basis. That's a really good point. So on your website, you have a beautiful website, by the way, it's so clean and so easy to, to click around and find what you're looking for. And it's not. Oh gosh. I just, it's not cluttered at all. I feel like there's so much website float out there. Yours is very, very yeah. clean. So definitely Thank go check you. it out at <laughs> someinabox.co. I love it. And being the web designer that you are <laughs> or have been, <laughs> I'm yes. not really surprised, but I just want to say it's beautiful. So, but I noticed that you have the free, a free masterclass. If you're okay with me sharing yeah. the three-part framework to triple your monthly revenue with a virtual summit. And so obviously there are going to be a lot more details in that masterclass that mm-hmm. we can you know, cover in, in this episode today, but can you just share at a high level what that three-part framework is so that we can, we can go learn more in the masterclass? Yeah. So we've kind of covered a lot of it. I've given you some sneak peeks at least today. In there, we go over how to choose a profitable summit topic, or first we start with the audience, the audience that's actually going to convert. Then we have that topic, which again, we've talked about is what can you host a summit about? That's solving a real problem that this specific audience has, not just everyone out there, but a problem specific to that audience. And then actually I cheat with this system. The third part is basically 
now do everything else. <laughs> so I have like a 10 step framework that's kind of included. I call that third step impl- implement for profit. And why I say that is because, yep, you can go implement a, a summit that flops. So we want to implement for profit. And that's what those next 10 steps ent- entail. And I'll probably miss something here, but it's things like doing your planning and goal setting, setting up your timeline, send- setting up your website, speaker outreach, then managing those speakers. A lot of us get really caught up in how difficult speaker outreach feels, but you'll find that the actual difficult part is actually managing all those people and getting them to give you what you need from them. We have engagement. So how are you going to keep your attendees engaged and excited? We have promotion. So, okay, you've gone through a couple months of work of putting all this together. Now, how are you going to get it in front of your people? We have the live event. So now you're there live interacting. People are watching the presentations. They're pumped. They're excited. You're just loving on them. We have post-summit wrap-up. So now that it's all over, doesn't necessarily mean that that you're just done. You know, you're wrapping up with attendees, put a nice little bow on things, wrap up with your speakers, affiliate payouts, all that good stuff. And then we have post-summit profits. And that's where we're launching your service, your membership, your course, whatever that is for you. There's one more stage in there that I missed and it's going to bug me (laughs) that I missed it, but that's kind of what goes into that system on a high level. I love it. Okay. I love it. That's so good. So obviously a lot of things to think about in planning this. Do you recommend having like a VA to help you with this? I've seen kind of both where it seems like some some hosts maybe have a VA or a team that's kind of help coordinating. But then I've also worked with some hosts where it seems, at least from my perspective, that it's just them kind of coordinating everything. Do you have thoughts around that? Yeah. So if you're kind of in the stage of your business where you are trying to save all the money, you're doing things yourself, you can do it. I have had, I guess my first summit, I think I had someone help for maybe 10-ish hours. Not a ton. I've had students do it as a one-woman show and do an incredible job. If you're at the place where you have a team or you're ready to have a team, this is a really awesome time to have them because it is. It's a summit is a thing that is so outsourceable. (laughs) That's a word. But when you have, let's say 20 speakers, that means there's a whole bunch of things you're doing 20 times, like the exact same thing, 20 times for each speaker. So it's the perfect opportunity to record yourself doing it the first time and then say, okay, go do this for me. So like speaker onboarding, managing them, preparing the presentation pages, those are all things that you don't have to do over and over again. It's so easy to outsource. And even if it's a brand new team member, they can watch a video and follow your exact steps. Like things like community management, support in your inbox. Those are other really great places to bring in help if you can. You totally don't have to, but they're, they're tasks that are easy to get off your plate if you're looking to do that. So I would, like my recommendation is heck yes, outsource if you can. I'm not saying you have to, but it makes things easier. Love it. Okay, so I feel like I've gotten an education on summits and the benefits and the power, like just thinking about the powerful, I guess, powerful benefits of, you know, not only to you as a summit host, but for your audience and for your speakers, just thinking through all of that, it seems like a great way to grow your email list, make more sales, grow your visibility. And then also you're helping, you know, grow the visibility of your speakers as well. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's a win-win situation. So is there anything that we should touch on before we say goodbye for a day? I guess the last thing I would say is like, 
if you're someone listening to this and you're like excited, but also terrified, just know <laughs> that that is totally normal and totally okay. I'm working on my sixth summit right now. And I still get in my head when it comes time to pitch speakers, when it comes time to make the announcement and see if anyone's going to sign up. Like there are so many mindset blocks that will come up throughout this process. You will doubt if you're good enough to be doing this, if you can pull it off, if it's going to work. But if Krista two years into her business, less than 500 people on her email is making, you know, a couple thousand dollars a month can host like a life-changing event. You can do it too. It's like, trust the process, trust yourself and your speakers. It will be amazing. So push all those doubts to the side, I guess would be the last thing I would say. I love it. I love it so much. Okay. Krista, this has been so wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. Let everybody know where they should go to connect with you. Yeah, you guys can find me over at summitinabox.co or I spend way too much time over on Instagram at summitinabox. I'd love to chat with you over there. Love it. Okay, we will definitely check you out on Instagram and please go check out her beautiful site. It's so clean. I just absolutely love it. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Yes, and go check out the masterclass too. I'm sure... Oh gosh, I'm with all that we've talked about today. I'm sure there's so much more gold in there. So anyway, I appreciate you, Krista. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Really appreciate your time and sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun chatting with Krista. My wheels are spinning about hosting an online summit myself. So stay tuned for that. I do want to host my own live event once it's safe to do so in person, but maybe I'll start with an online summit. So I'd love to hear what you think. If you'd like to stay in the know about my plans for a live event, go to monicalouie.com slash live. And if you'd like to be the first to know about my potential future online summit, go to monicalouie.com slash summit. I want to thank Krista once again for joining me on the podcast today and sharing all of her summit wisdom with us. Krista and I would love to hear your biggest takeaways from this interview. Share those with us in the comments at monicalouie.com slash 85 or tag us on Instagram. I'm at Flourish with Monica and she is at Summit in a Box. You can find all the links and resources that Krista and I mentioned in this episode at monicalouie.com slash 85. Thank you so much for joining Krista and me today. If you are ready to scale your business with Facebook ads, then check out my free Facebook ad starter kit. You can find that at monicalouie.com slash guide. The starter kit takes you through these six simple steps to creating campaigns that convert. Plus, there's an awesome checklist so you can make sure you've got everything you need before you dive into the ads manager. And if you're like me, you'd love a good checklist. And if you're interested in learning more about how my team and I might be able to help you with your Facebook, Instagram, or Pinterest ads, go to monicalouie.com slash WWM. We have information there about our services. As I mentioned, we'll have all the links and resources that we mentioned today in the show notes, and you can find those at monicalouie.com slash 85. If you found this helpful, please leave a rating and review so that more people can find this podcast. It really helps the podcast get found by more people. And subscribe so that you can be notified when the next episode comes out. Brand new episodes come out every single Thursday. And next week, I've got another great episode heading your way. So make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out. Please join me for next week's episode of the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. That's all for today. Take care, stay healthy, and let's flourish.